Campion hesitated and then drew from his pocket one of those midget telescopes which were once issued to commandos. The entire instrument was less than a finger's length, but when he put it to his eye, the woman rushed towards him through the sunny air and he saw her for the first time in vivid detail. She was still bent over the paper on her lap when he first looked, but in an instant, as if she were aware he watched her, she raised her head and stared full at him, apparently into his eyes. He was much too far away for her to have seen the telescope, or even that he faced in her direction, and for the first time since childhood, he felt a sneaking tremor of superstitious apprehension. Her face startled him. Under the ragged edge of cardboard which showed clearly through the center parting of the veil, the face blazed with intelligence. The skin was dark, possibly dirty, the features fine, and the eyes deep-set. But the outstanding impression he received was of a mind. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Alicia. And I'm Lindsay. And welcome to our third episode of our second season, focusing on books written by female writers in the golden age of mysteries. Yeah, this uh, this fortnight we are Ooh. talking about More Work for the Undertaker by Marjorie Allingham. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is actually our... Hmm. This is our last sort of like single book by an author. Right. Because then we <laughs> plunge into a four part. <laughs> yes. Four part Dorothy Sayers extravaganza. Indeed. Um, but I feel like this is a good one to. Yes. To lead into that. Um, I do love this book. Should we read the back cover? We should read the back cover. Okay. I think you should read yours. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have two different editions here and we've discovered some un- unsettling dis discrepancies. Yeah. Edits. (laughs) Um, Edits. Yeah. Okay. So mine says the palinodes were dying to help each other dot, dot, dot (laughs) out of this world. (laughs) (laughs) Two of them had already been disposed of when Mr. Campion arrived on the scene, but there were still three of the eccentric family left to confound him. Mr. Campion knew any one of them was clever enough to get away with murder, but there were others on apron street who had reason to hate them. Was one of the palinodes a killer? Or were all the palinodes potential victims? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Only Campion can find it. That's not on the back. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do we know about Marjorie Ellingham? Um, Marjorie Ellingham, I don't know a ton about her, but she was born in 1904 in London. England, obviously. <laughs> Ontario? <laughs> <laughs> not in London, Ontario. London, England. Um, both of her parents were writers. Okay. And so she grew up in a very raiderly household. Her mom wrote stories for women's magazines and her father wrote Pulp Fiction. Oh. Yeah. Which is um, pretty amazing. And I feel like you can kind of see that influence. I feel like you can see it. Yeah. I feel um, like you experience it. So she wrote, she started writing from a very young age. She sold her first story at age eight. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then as she grew, she continued to write. She wrote plays. So again... I think every single one of these authors that we're covering wrote plays as well as detective fiction. Huh. So such interesting. Um, 
I feel like that is no longer the case with most authors. Most authors of detective fiction are also writing like historical plays. <laughs> James Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's not. I don't. I doubt it. Um, Would be shocking to find out. But maybe like Josephine Tay, he has another name that he writes plays under, and we just don't know. Oh yeah, could be. Yeah. Um, but she was actually not successful with her playwriting. Mm. Um, so unlike Niall Marsh and, and uh, Gordon Daviot slash Josephine Tay, she um, kind of gave up on plays mm. at a fairly young age, and she decided to try her hand at detective fiction. So she wrote her first Albert Campion novel in 1929, and it was it was a great success. It was like a breakthrough novel. So she went on to write 19, I believe in total novels starring her detective Albert Campion and, um, more than 20 short stories. And she continued writing them right on through the golden age and into the 1960s. She was still Mm. writing them. Um, yeah. So she was not as secretive about her life as the last two. She was married to a man named Philip Youngman Carter and they, I think had like a pretty, pretty good time together. Um, her final book was unfinished and he finished it for publication. Oh yeah. So that's Marjorie Allingham in a, in a nutshell. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's dive into this book. Let's dive into this book. All right. I'm going to pull a prompt. All right. No, wait, you pull a prompt. Oh, are there any cats in this book? Mm-hmm. <laughs> think so i don't remember no, any there's no animals at all in this book no just people just so people. many people yeah all right well moving right along let's see oh here we go uh this magic moment oh. your favorite parts uh well we should first of course do our spoiler oh, warning indeed <laughs> We are going to ruin this book for you. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> Not ruin it. We're going to enhance this book for yeah. you, but you should read we're gonna it. We're going to ruin the mystery. We're going to tell you who done it. Yeah, we're going to get We're going to talk about it fully. Um, so as always, we recommend that you go read the book. Side note, or like attached to that, mm-hmm. I have to admit that I had a hard time reading mm-hmm. Marjorie Allingham when I started. Mm-hmm. We actually had picked a different book, and I couldn't get past the first chapter <laughs> which is quite a quite a contrast in my experience with marjorie ellingham yeah, where you devour her i devour her and find her uh hilarious i find her hilarious but i find her writing was so uh her sentences are long and her metaphors are insane <laughs> and when I wasn't prepared for it, I was coming off of the other ones, which were pretty yeah. straightforward. Yeah. I just found that it w- they weren't quick reads. Like I was no. just stuck. I mean, like, what does she mean with that <laughs> metaphor? And what does she mean with this metaphor? Like I couldn't, like at first I wasn't in it seeing the humor of it. Mm-hmm. Now that was the first one that I tried to read, right. The Tiger and the Smoke. Yeah. Uh, this one, I obviously more work for The Undertaker. I got through that first little bit mm-hmm. and got to a better place. I was interested in the palinodes like from mm. the beginning. So yep. I kept going and as I got into it, like, and I got used to her writing and mm-hmm. I just had to also accept that sometimes I just <laughs> couldn't know what every, like, cause sometimes they just defy, mm. like when you put them all yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy it. But for anyone out there who was, who tried to read it and found it a little bit, um, of like a mental assault, <laughs> 
I feel you. <laughs> and if anyone hasn't read it and I was thinking like, oh, do I want to read this? Yeah, yeah, you do. We did. Oh, yeah. Like I loved it by the end. It was yeah. well worth it. But I just like, yeah, like I generally don't have trouble getting into books. Right. Yeah. No, her writing is not super easy. Yeah. Um, but I just find it delightful because like, as you say, you're just like, her metaphors are insane. Her metaphors are insane. And like, <laughs> you once just got to roll once, with it. Exactly. Just like, don't get too hung up on those things. <laughs> They'll never come to mean anything in the end. Like it's not a clue. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not a clue. Just, yeah, just take it in your stride. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Just go for it. It's a roller coaster and you just got to ride it. And once you, yeah, once you're buckled in, yeah. you're just going to laugh your head off. It's, incredibly enjoyable. So anyway, yeah. I will say that. So, um, my favorite moment was for me, they were a lot closer to the end mm-hmm. or actually I, I really love Campion and Jessica in the kitchen. Yes, uh, yep. I really love that whole conversation. That was, um, wonderful and delightful. And I also love a lot of his interactions with Charlie Luke and Campion's continual observations about Charlie Luke, yeah. um, who strikes one as a handsome man, but also at the same time, there's a lot of other things going on <laughs> the yeah. way that he's described by Campion. Mm-hmm. And there is a scene towards the end where Campion and Charlie Luke are um, waiting, I think, in Campion's bedroom while Lawrence is being tended to. Mm-hmm. Um where they kind of have a back and forth kind of like they're figuring things out more. Yeah. And I really, really loved that whole mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I, I could just probably spend yeah. the next like three hours just like telling you all my favorite scenes, but then that would just basically be the whole book. Yeah. Um, but I do love, so there's a part where Campion comes back to the house and goes up to his room and uh, he's like, oh, I am here like a conversation going on in my room. And he goes in and so there's Sir William Glossop, who's like this financial expert and like advisor to the National Treasury has like come to see him on some matter of like super secret yeah. business. And uh, Evadne Palinode has like busted in on him. And when Campion walks in, he's like kneeling on the ground trying to fix her electric kettle with a nail file. Yeah. <laughs> and she's and he's just like, I don't know how I got here or how this woman compelled me to do this. And he doesn't know what he's doing. And she's being like so condescending to him, like, Well, you're trying your best. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so amazing. Yeah. Um, I do love that. And, well, I uh, love that yeah, all the palinodes like everyone else has to go to places yeah. to get like service, but everyone comes to them. Yeah. 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 And like he, um, Campion's constantly like, I, no one has spoken to me with this kind of authority since I was like a child. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And I also love, this is again, Evadne, but this is like his first, um, meeting with her mm. where he goes into her room to like take her, her tray of like, weird ass drinks that yeah. she has at night. Oh, so gross. <laughs> so gross. Like an egg stirred into like a chocolate protein drink. Ew, and she makes him do it for her. And she's like, and if you've done it right, we won't need like the spoon. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. But he does say that like disgusting bits of flotsam like appear on top. Oh. And then there's like a glass of cold water, a glass of hot water, like all these, yeah. like this whole tray full of like various beverages. So he's like, takes that up to her. But when he first arrives, she thinks that he's an actor. Oh, well, does she though? Or does she pretend? Well, she's she probably pretends pretending. The other guy is an actor too. It's just like <laughs> her way of just putting like unsettling them. Yeah. But, um, 
he gets like she's so convinced by her mm. conviction that he's an actor that he's like well he has, says he has the uneasy conviction that it must somehow be justified like he's almost like am i an actor <laughs> <laughs> it's just they have that effect in people oh it's so funny yeah yeah, so those I think those are my favorite moments. Although there are just like a million little throwaway descriptors and lines that oh a I million love. a million a million yeah like describing a random nine year old boy who's only in it for like two seconds. He had the mouth of an angel and the eyes of a Pekingese. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, her descriptions once I got into them were miraculous just for the sheer inventiveness of them. Yeah. 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 They are like, you wonder, I, I makes me wonder like, did she spend a long time over those or are those just like rolling off her pen? I feel like they must've just been rolling off her pen. Which really gives you such an insight into the mind mm-hmm. that was behind that. Because I feel like that is very unusual. So unusual. So unusual. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. All righty. Moving on. Whoa now. Whoa there. Problematic things in the book. Well, problematic things in the book. Okay, so there's Clyde White. Yeah. Who is definitely being very much policed by her family, or at least thinks she is. Well, mostly it seems by Lawrence. By her uncle Lawrence. Evadne yeah. doesn't seem to care. And Jessica doesn't seem Jessica's to care. Jessica's fully aware and like is like good on her. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think maybe a little also by... Like the other men in the household, I feel right. like she, yeah, the women don't care. The women don't care. That's exactly right. And the, it's like the, um, Clary Grace, he cares. Yeah. Campion talks about it. Like everyone kind of talks about her differently. Like mm-hmm. there's a weird, she has a mystique or something like mm-hmm. that. And there's a weird like covetness. And that's not how you say covet, like covet, covetous, covetousness nature to the men She's like a young, she's very much a palinode. Like it says she has the same like fierce intelligence in her face and like air of like authority and and stuff. Mm -hmm. But she's also, she's been raised by these eccentric aunts and uncles Mm -hmm. and like Ruth or not Ruth, Renee. Renee, yeah. At one point it's like they had, they had no idea what to do with her. Like, yeah, they don't know anything about youth. So she's 19, eight, no, she's 17. 17. Yeah. And I just feel like the way that it's described that the other men look at her and talk at her, like mm-hmm. they kind of, there's a little bit of uh, like a parental thing, but there's also that because she has this, this somewhat beauty mm-hmm. and this draw that there's a weird little covet. Yeah. yeah. It's gross. It's gross. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't like that. No, I don't like that. No. Um, yeah. That um, meeting where Lawrence like brings her into his room and just begins to berate her. Yeah. Um, and he's like equating the fact, so he's accusing her of writing these horrible poison pen letters right. to the family, which are like really filthy and nasty. Yeah. And he's basically like, I think you've done this because I know that you've been like going out with a boy. So yeah. like in his mind, those two things are equal. Yeah. She's like really fallen. Yeah. 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 Um, of course, Charlie Luke does rush to her defense. Rush to her defense and be like, you don't have to put up with this. Like, yeah. just go be the woman you've become. Yeah. Which is wonderful. And while we're on this scene, I just, 
read it. The palinodes are just also odd. And it's worth mentioning here that Lawrence Palinode is like tall and gangly and clumsy. It has a voice like a goose. A voice like a goose. And at first I was like, what is that? And then I thought about the oh, like sound a, of a goose. Oh yeah. Like a fog horn. Yeah, I, like, like, I can hear it. Yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> and at one point it describes his like red, his like him sticking out his red neck like a wand with a weight on it. Yeah. Well, everyone <laughs> talks about his neck. Yeah. It's mentioned several times. Yeah. It's interesting though, because this, the way that he yells at Clyde, it's very mm-hmm. um, clear. Mm-hmm. But when you first meet Lawrence, you almost can't understand him because he true. talks in so much metaphor. He talks in allusions. Yeah. Yeah. And um, quotation. And family, like, um, family in jokes yeah in jokes in references in references so this one's pretty straight up Mm -hmm. yeah he's like pretty horrible to her and so campion and charlie luke are in his room kind (laughs) of nosing around when they come in he doesn't even notice them because that's like you know that's what the pal nodes are like there's like these two men in his room and he's like so intent on like berating his niece he doesn't even see them so finally like charlie luke can't take it anymore so it says he uh he like steps forward and he goes, that'll be quite enough. He involved a thousand volt charge into his primness and succeeded in looking like the angel of the Lord from a modern morality play. It was typical of Lawrence Palino that he did not notice that he had not come through the door. I did not hear you knock, he said with dignity. It was probably the one remark which could have disconcerted Luke at that particular moment. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's It's like kind of if, you know, if you ever want to like take someone off guard or get them to stop yelling at you, just say something like that. Yeah. Well, and Charlie has also like said the entire book, like when he meets with Campion to like update him about the case and to Mm -hmm. like bring him into the case, he like tells him about everybody on the street. And then he's like, and the Palinodes, he's like, I don't understand. (laughs) He's like... Oh, what do you mean? He's like, I like they talk, like I, you yeah. know, I read it over like my notes, I had stenographer, like I can't understand it. He's like, Oh, they use big words. And he's like, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they use short words, and I still don't understand. <laughs> he just like he cannot, like, it just yeah. is like it's they are the yeah, the antimatter to his like it's common his, sense. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's so true. Yeah, he doesn't understand them. And there's a part where like he's trying to talk to them and Campion has to keep like inserting things and it says something like Campion felt the story needed a midwife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So good. Uh, yeah. What section are we gonna get? Oh, problematic things. Mm. Oh yeah, so problematic <clears throat> things. It's gonna be hard not to just talk about everything that's funny. I know. <laughs> uh problematic things in the book. Mm. Can't actually think of too many other than the the bit about Clyde. Well, I would say that the um, the old like fortune teller taking advantage of someone mm. is kind of like a passe trope, like that. But also still true today. <laughs> well, unfortunately, like because well, yeah. If you go to a psychic, like you just yeah. But I feel like you're aware in this day and age that that's just what that. It, well, most people should well, be, but no. they're not. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, mm. like you take it for the grain of salt that it is. But <laughs> the captain has been like taken advantage of mm-hmm. by his fortune teller confidant, yep. which he does seem to realize because mm-hmm. he drinks himself into like a near death stupor. Yeah, um, and so. 
Yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like a fortune teller character. You're immediately like, Oh, like, right. Yeah. 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 Um, they're not great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh, that's clearly the villain of the piece. Um, but ch- 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 anything else? Um, well, no, I mean, cause yeah, like well, there's a lot of people doing terrible things, but that's... But they're not, they're just terrible things. They're just they're terrible not like things, problematic yeah. things that Marjorie Hallinahum has like written in right. there. Yeah. 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 No, on the whole, I'd say like, yeah, yeah. just... It's a know. pretty wholesome book. Pretty wholesome. <laughs> that's a pretty wholesome book. <laughs> All right. Is it me? I don't remember. You go ahead. Ooh, is there any... <gasps> Making butter with one's tail <laughs> in this book. Oh, that might be the grossest one yet. So obviously these are sexy euphemisms from another time. Mm-hmm. Making butter with one's tail. Well, again, we have Clady and her boyfriend. Clady and her boyfriend, who I don't think are totally getting it on, but they're certainly rumbling in the bushes. They are rumbling in the bushes. <laughs> it's hard to tell. They it's could hard to be, tell. they might not be. Yeah. They, they definitely meet in secret late at night. Yeah. It's not explicitly stated one way or the yeah. other. Well, he definitely like it later. He talks about how he, when he found like when he met her, mm-hmm. Clady was so unaware of like everything in the world that he took her under. Like he was like, I have to take care of this because the Paladins yeah. had done such a shit job of raising her <laughs> that he was would. like, oh my gosh, like this beautiful yeah. girl is just like ripe for anyone to take advantage of. Like, but you also like you ever his character is like very marginal. Like and you never mm. really understand like how true that is. You know, mm. like is he just like one of those men that's like, I'll take care of you, Indeed. baby. Well, it's true. You don't really get to get the full sense of Mike. You don't. <laughs> whose name is actually like Herbert or something. But <laughs> she calls him Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they meet like through their jobs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so they started dating, but in and secret. It's like such a great moment where Luke describes him. He's like, oh, poor kids. They're so young and innocent. And like they're both looking after each other because no, neither of them have anybody else. And then it's like, he paused like a couple of drunks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah. And I don't know, like there's kind of a suggestion that like Renee and the captain. Yeah. That's a weird one. Cause like it's suggested, but then it's also like, um, scorned by, yeah. by her and yeah. by him. And she's like, yeah. no. Like, yeah. So I'm not really sure. I think, Oh no. Cause it is clarified because she, Campion says something to her about it. And she was like, you would need a time machine for that. So I feel like they at one there time. There is an attraction, but it's no longer yeah. in that place. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So there, there's a history there. Yeah. They're obviously very good, like, tight friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing going on with any of the Palinodes, the uh, older generation of Palinodes. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, there was, again, the, um, the fortune teller is also considered mm-hmm. like a... She's with the chemist, and for a while they oh, wonder right. if she and the chemist are getting it on. And the right. chemist has all these women who seem to come and go, and he can't keep on one. But yeah. I think someone says something. He's like, I haven't had a woman in like thirty years. <laughs> yeah, because they say like it's not very frequent, but like yeah. sometimes a woman will come, and it's never the same woman. Yeah, and yeah. they like stay for a night. But what is really happening up there is yeah. the whole going up Apron Road. Uh, underground railroad for the wicked. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. Um, And anybody else? Uh, 
I mean, we do find out at the end that Renee is an oh, illegitimate yeah. Palinode child. So mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a product of an affair between the Professor Palinode, who's mm-hmm. the father of all these elderly Palinodes, and mm-hmm. um, a dancer. Yeah. So again, that's in, in the past, but. Yeah, there is a. They, there churn, is they made some butter love with, child. with their tails. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jazz Bowles, who has married Ew. Lug's sister, Beatty. <laughs> who is also deceased when the book starts right right yes i think that's it that's all okay, the that's, that's all it. the butter making i can think of <clears throat> all right do we have here Ooh, the detective and the watson oh all right all right so we've got campion mm-hmm. who um is not a is not an actual uh, no, he's not employed he's by, not the employed police. by no. the police. In fact, Marjorie Allingham never really explains. Like, this is the only Campion book that I've read. Mm-hmm. So I don't really understand, like, Campion as, like, who he is in society. Um, we learn fairly b- soon into the book that, you know, he's being courted by the police chief. There's a superintendent who mm-hmm. wants on this case. So, like, they obviously very much respect him. Yeah. And, but he has secretly like not announced that he's going to be like the governor of some tropical place, some far off place. Yeah. So Campion is is like, she's always alluding to him having Royal blood, basically Royal blood. And Albert Campion is not his real name. Oh, and, but she never says who he is. She didn't do that in this book, but she's done it in other ones. And so, um, he does have that moment where, like, the woman in the car, like, yeah, like someone really doors, rich, someone like, pulls really, up like, and is like, "That's how you." That's that conversation yeah. where she's like, "Oh, I heard about the governorship. Like, mm-hmm. good for you." Yeah, yeah, like your grandfather would have been proud. And stuff. Yeah. So it's very much hinted at that he is some nobility. Okay. And he's doing this because he would rather be doing this than, and he's good at it, and he's good at it. Yeah. Um, and I think Campion strikes me as more of like a modern type man in terms Mm. of like, he's not interested in upholding family obligations Mm. and stuff like that. He marries during the series. He meets and marries a woman who designs airplanes. I just say that Mm -hmm. and it sounds amazing. Yeah. And she's a really good character too. Mm -hmm. Although problematic when he meets her, she's very young. I think she's like 17 or something, but he does not marry her for, quite some time oh, that's good. and they have like other adventures together okay. so that's right. better but um but yeah he's uh so I think again I am also I have read like the first campion hmm. the first few campion books and I'm trying to recall I don't think it's ever really explicitly stated like how he got into detecting or how okay. he hooked up with the police he just sort of like there he is. He's doing his thing. And right. he probably just like inserted himself because he could because of his class privilege. Right. And then they were like, oh, this guy's helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing what he does here because he has a wife and children. Yes. How old are his children? Not very old. Well, because this is slightly problematic because he just ups <laughs> and moves into the Paladin right. residence pretending right. to be someone else. And is like, you got that. My wife who designs airplanes. Like, but he's probably yeah. rich enough that he's got care for the children. Like, oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. That she's got support or what have you. Um, <laughs> and judging by from her life. 
letter. Like she gives no care. No. And I get the sense in the beginning that they're already living in different places mm-hmm. because yeah, he's, he's like, oh, I'm hoping she'll follow me out to wherever he's. But she's got to finish on her airplane. Yeah. Like he lets her live her own life, yeah. which is really great. Um, he's a bit he, of an absentee father. Yeah. Well, that's problematic. Yeah. Uh, Campion, I like how Campion, as like he learns things or as he puts things together, mm. it's continually describes him as like growing blanker and blanker in the face. Yeah. He just develops like a crazy poker face every time. Yeah. The more interested he is, the more blank and idiotic he looks. Yes. <laughs> that's a bad look. Yeah. Um, I love in this one that while he is masquerading as Renee's cousin, like most, like, Everyone knows that that's not the I case. Know. Yeah, it's not yeah. fooling anybody. <laughs> it's not fooling anybody, but no. it's so hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, I like how he, like the conversations that he undergoes, mm-hmm. the process of his mind, like mm-hmm. you really get to see his his nature come through. And he has such a considerate nature. Mm. Um, like he, when he talks to Jessica, um, he, he realizes at one point, like, he's offended her and he, you know, trick, quickly tries to repair that. Mm-hmm. Not for, like, a devious nature to be like, oh, I got to have to be on her good side mm-hmm. to still. But, like, because he felt bad. Right, right. Um, so I like his his considerate nature that he mm-hmm. continually shows, like, a respect for everyone in every kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel like with Campion, you get a little bit less of his inner workings than you do with like Grant and Alan. Like I feel Mm. like with Grant and Alan, you were able to see them Mm -hmm. more so in like how they were putting the pieces together. You saw the process, whereas this one, it does seem like a series of random. (laughs) There's just so much going on. Well, this is, I think it's kind of, you don't realize that potentially because Mm -hmm. there is so many weird things that happen that divert him or like give him another piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And so you're not, is he, you know, is he leading the investigation or is the investigation leading him? Yeah, I feel like um, with A Surfeit of Lampreys and uh, To Love and Be Wise, it's like a, it's like a 250 piece puzzle. Mm. And with uh, more work with it's like, it's like a 2000 piece puzzle. And a few of them are missing. You got it at the thrift store. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there's, yeah, there's a lot more to, a lot more threads to keep. Yeah you know to keep in your mind to be woven in that it's not there's not as much time yeah well and honestly there's also there's more than one mystery that gets solved here yeah there's actually a few mysteries so that's not at all like surfeit of lampreys there's one mystery it gets solved Mm -hmm. there's a weird addition onto that but it's still Mm -hmm. linear whereas this one there's things being hinted at Mm -hmm. or discovered upon throughout Yeah. yeah and there's a also like I think a lot more characters in general in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. So many. Um, Okay. But let's, (laughs) we have to talk about the Watson. Oh yeah. Charlie. I'm not even talking about Charlie. We will also talk about Charlie, but I'm talking about Lug. Oh, but Lug is not his Watson. Lug kind of, well. In this book, it's Charlie. Charlie is definitely his co-detective, but Lug is the one that is with him in every single novel. Right. And Lug is his manservant. He's an ex-criminal. Yep. He's, uh, they have the weirdest relationship. <laughs> so it's like not as much in this book, but like if it's you. It's a little bit in this If book. you read more and more of them, like 
all they do is just insult each other <laughs> and like very meanly. Oh. And then Lug is always like saying these really horrible things to Campion and then like sometimes he'll forget and say them in front of somebody else and then he'll have to like backpedal and just like try to, you know, cover it up or like pretend he was saying something else. And Campion's always saying like a really harsh thing. So like, like they're just pretty horrible to each other, but they clearly, a, uh, they're like an odd couple. They have a love. They have a love. They're both getting something out of it. Yeah. He's in this a bit because, so he's actually one of the, um, the three ways that Campion is brought into yes. the Palinode mystery. The third crow. Yeah, is that Lug is um, has received a letter from his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. who is Jazz Bowles, the Undertaker, yeah. being like, Can, you know, I know that you're working for this guy. Like, could you see to get him into this situation? Yeah, we need to solve this because it's bad for business. Yeah, and so when Campion moves into the Palinodes, Lug just moves in with the Bowleses. Yeah, even though they hate each other <laughs> yeah. and haven't spoken in 30 years. Yeah, and then at one point they get hit, like, Lug super drunk and he has to, like, go sleep it off. And Campion's mm. like, what? Like, like I think they drugged him, right? Yeah, well, because yeah. he wonders about it because he's like, he can't get, like, no. it's impossible to get him so drunk that yeah. he, like, yeah. So he's like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah. And Lug, I have to say, also refers to Campion frequently as Cock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's his pet name for him. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a very strange relationship. Yeah. But I would say in this one, I feel mm. like Charlie is far more yes. the, he's the one who, is, you know, really trying to figure out the mystery is right there with Campion, mm-hmm. but requires Campion's like superior intellect and also yeah. like his education because yes. he has to midwife the stories. He is the midwife of the stories, and he's realized that the Palinodes talk in a lot of references mm-hmm. that kind of require like a higher education. Yeah, and yeah. whenever they say something that like Charlie Luke doesn't understand, they're just like, Ugh. and remember they make some reference to like a, a woman's name who's like some, like from some literary work where she's like a a scold or she, and so they're like referring to the writer of the poison pens as this like person, but there's actually a person by that name who keeps like a laundromat or something. And he's like, we've been over it. We went to see her. Like, it's not her that's slander. And Kimmy is like, oh, that's not what they mean. He has to like, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. And um, so I have to say that, yeah, like I quite enjoy the character of Charlie Luke He's through a great this character. entire book. Yeah. yeah. And so Campion's good. observations of him, mm-hmm. the way that like every time he tells Campion like an update or a story, Campion feels like he's been transported there, <laughs> yeah. that he can see it all. Like it's always Luke's hands are sketching like a whole thing. Yeah. And he like, I think if it was like talking about Loris, he's like, I can see his neck. And like, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh. Yeah, it's like he's a, Charlie Luke talked without syntax or coherence, but he talked with his whole body. <laughs> yes, back arches. And like at one point he mentions luck and it says his hands sketched a balloon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. he's great he's great yeah all right but also like even though campion has a superior intelligence in the education and can get all the literary illusions and whatnot luke is also like super smart mm, and yeah. like very dogged and like everyone's like this guy's gonna go far like he's quite young yes and they know that he's gonna he's really doing excel. he has done quite well and he's mm-hmm. keeping up on things mm-hmm. but he also has this admirable quality of being able to admit when he's out of his depth yep. or when he's missed something mm-hmm. or when something just befuddles him yeah because when campion just like talks to him at one point and is like you know is there 
fortune teller around here? And like Charlie Luke is like, oh, I should quit right now. Like, oh my God. Like, I haven't even told you about her. How did you know? Oh my God. The fact that you knew, like, he's yeah. like, that means that there's something there and I have missed it. And like, and yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I also love his reaction when um, he goes to question um, the chemist and the chemist like immediately like takes cyanide and kills himself. And Charlie Luke's like, what? Like, I wasn't even suspecting him. Like, I didn't even look at him sideways like yeah. and he's so distraught he's so and distraught. then he's like then when lawrence gets poisoned later yeah. he thinks he's done the same thing and he's like i don't care for everyone's grandfather taking knockout <laughs> drops the second i come in a room <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and while we're on this topic, uh, that my favorite scene between um, Charlie Luke and Campion is near the end, and it ends with Clyde Mm -hmm. coming in, having finally changed into like her womanly clothing. And I should find it because oh, geez, wait, I should find it because there was this moment that oh my goodness like so Clyde has just appeared and has described everything that she Mm -hmm. is wearing and she says well she demanded and her voice was her voice was breathless Charlie Luke paused in his flight to duty Campion had never respected him more (laughs) he stood surveying her earnestly his eyes narrowed the whole force of his pile driver personality (laughs) concentrated on her problem tell you what he said at last take off the scarf and I'll take you to the picture Sunday (laughs) 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 I just was like He's like in this big old tizzy about like what he has to do. And then yeah. he stops and came and he's like, I've never respected him more. Yeah. And there's a part too, like later on where he's like, so her boyfriend, he's been like coshed over the head and almost died. He's like moved into the house so she yeah. can nurse him. But like Charlie looks like, I'm taking you to the pictures. And at one point Campion's like, well, Clyde White was going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like I love that it just kinda hints that like Charlie White is like, oh clean. Like yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so those are yeah. All right. I don't even remember that was. Oh, the detective in the Watson. It was the detective in the All Watson. Right, let's move on. Books with Brad. <laughs> Which character in this book should be played by Brad Pitt? Oh. This is a hmm. Oh. Okay, let's see. <clears throat> It's not a lot of um, flattering male no. descriptions. No. No, there's not. I feel like he could be like off type. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you potentially could put him in for someone who's potentially wasn't attractive, like, yep. but could be made so more so. Um, but it would have to be believable. At the same time, right. like for instance, you couldn't make him the captain because then you would be like Renee, like mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you don't need a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> what Renee? What are you thinking? Um, you mm. could make him like the superintendent. You could make him the superintendent. That's a yeah. small part, though. Yeah. Um, um, I would be interested in seeing him play Campion. Yeah. Mm. Because I feel like if you've seen Burn After Reading, mm-hmm. Brad can make his face look dumb and ridiculous. Boy, mm-hmm. Campion's face is apparently supposed to go once he's like put a puzzle together. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I don't know about what Campion looks like. 
He's fair haired. He wears okay. horn rimmed glasses. Right. Thin. He's thin. thin. He's thin. That's always so funny to me. Marjorie Allenham continually mm. doesn't always refer to Campion as Campion. She's like yep. the man in the horn rimmed glasses. Yeah, like, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Or the thin man paused. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. That is an odd technique that she uses quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, um, other than that, I would say like, you know, put a bunch of prosthetics on him and like let him be jowls bowels and have some fun (laughs) (laughs) bacon faced jazz or what about the the, like the banker henry james henry james (laughs) (laughs) oh can't wait till we get to names in the book yeah Um, yeah because i don't feel like he could do charlie luke oh you know who he could be is the uh, it's also a very small part but the lawyer drudge Plot drudge. Oh <laughs> that would be good, you know. Yeah. He could just produce, give it all of his money, right, and then be in a small part, small like he role. likes to do. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right solved it. I'm not sure why I'm on the show. <laughs> all right, next a prompt. Who done it? Oh well, okay. Let's get into this mystery. So. The Palinode affair is because uh, Ruth Palinode has died. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember how it really becomes public, but her death becomes suspicious and someone starts writing poison pen letters. I think that is how it becomes public. To like the it's chemist. just because he starts receiving these letters. But does he tell people? Not the chemist, the doctor. Oh, the doctor, right. And then the doctor's like, oh shit, did I miss something? Right, yes. So someone writes poison pen letters to the doctor being like, you've missed something like Ruth was poisoned. Yeah. Um, and so that starts kerfuffle and then everyone's like, well, if Ruth was poisoned, mm-hmm. what about, cause another, the brother, an, a brother has also died too, yeah. like a year beforehand. Yeah. Or like six months or something. Six yeah. months, like not that far. So it was like, okay, like mm-hmm. why would anyone, why, why would someone, and then why would someone kill Ruth Palinode? Because yeah. the Palinodes were, they're very famous, mm-hmm. they're very educated, but they are very poor. They yeah. didn't used to be, but they are very poor yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and one detail I actually love about that is that, um, so it says, yeah, they were like a very old family, very highly respected. Their father was a professor. Their mother was a poetess mm -hmm. and, um, and they lived in this big old house. And now that they're poor, they all still live in the house, but they rent, like someone else owns it and they rent rooms in what used to be their old home. Their half sister owns it. Mm -hmm. They know she's their half sister. And she knows she's She's, their half sister. But they don't know that each other knows. Yeah. She doesn't, she thinks they don't know. Yeah. But they do. But they do. But they do. Um, Which is one of the reasons that they survive is because they have very little money. Mm -hmm. And in fact, some of them have more money or less money because the brother who is dead Mm -hmm. got them all to like basically give them their inheritances to invest because he was like a math genius, but not really a genius because he uh, didn't uh, do very well with their money and lost it all. Evadne and Lawrence have a bit more than Jessica did because Jessica trusted her brother longer. She hoped that it would see fruition because I think there was some mathematical, there was a, much like Ruth, there was a, there was a leaning towards it, but it went, it didn't serve him well. Yeah. He didn't actually have the like 
he could do the math, but he didn't have the business sense to know what to do with the math. Exactly. And yeah. I think Ruth had the same thing because Ruth had a gambling problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the suspicions is that the family killed her off because Ruth mm-hmm. was gambling away the, the little money that she had. Right. So yeah, it opens the door to like Campion goes in at the mm-hmm. request of Renee, who is the half sister who owns the house, who is one of his old friends. And she's like, can you help me sort this out? Like we're yeah. keeping all of the food and drink under lock and key. We're yeah. afraid of being poisoned. We've got people like, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. sightseeing at the house because it's yeah. now kind of a, you know, um, what's that like? Sort of like a... Murderinos are showing up multitudes to just... <laughs> is that a term? It is. Uh-oh. It's Uh-oh. a term for people who are like fascinated by murders. It was that. Well, it was invented by the Simpsons. Oh. It's like in a <laughs> Halloween episode. I think like Ned Flanders is like, hello, murderinos. <laughs> and then like people who like love murder because like true crime people yeah. like, yeah. Um, anyway, because that's like since the dawn of time that people have been like showing up at yeah. murder scenes. Yeah. So then we get this like incredible cast of characters that Campion is introduced to. So there's all the mm-hmm. Palinodes. There's the Palinodes. There's, there's the rest of the people on Apron Street. Yeah. The merchants and the banker and the chemist and the doctor and yeah. the undertaker. Yeah. And in the Palinode residence, there is also the captain. And then there's that other guy too. Clary Grace. Clary the Grace. actor who was Renee, the homeowner's old uh, tenant in her old house who was like her pet boarder and she brought right, him with her. she brought her. him with her. Yeah. And then there's yeah. Clyde mm-hmm. and her boyfriend, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Bowelses. The Bowelses. Um, father and brother. Father and, and son. Le- brother, yeah, sorry. Father mm-hmm. and son. And then Lug, who is a family relation. And then there's like all the like and then there's CD a, underworld yes, that there's they a, start to sort of see C, getting connected. Yeah. Which starts to make them think that like things are heating up. They're like, whoa, okay. Like that person was in jail for this quite a while ago. Oh, like, whoa, you've seen this person. Like yeah. that person did this thing. Like all of these people are yeah. showing up on apron street. Like there is some shit going down here, yeah, yeah. but they don't necessarily think it's connected at first because no. very soon into moving to the household campion and Renee <laughs> come across the undertaker's moving a casket yes. in the middle of the night, yeah. which they're like, no, this is business as normal. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure? Like, Yeah. So they think that, that he's smuggling something and they can't figure out what, yeah. and they can't figure out where all the money's going. So like, if you're smuggling, then you're doing it for money, but like, no, there's no money anywhere. Yeah. So they can't figure out why, how, what is going on with the smuggling, They know something shady is happening. Yeah. Yeah. They know something shady is happening. They know something shady is happening at the chemist's. Because he commits suicide when they walk in to talk to him. Well, like, but it's funny because like apparently this chemist shop is like the oldest chemist shop ever. Yeah. Because Charlie Luke's like, it's very possible that someone just accidentally bought poison here. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how he keeps track. Yeah. There's like so many things that were like patent medicines from like a hundred years ago. And he's like, oh, you could still buy them there yeah 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 so there's that going on and and then there's kind of like a little bit of mystery as to why Renee puts up with the palinodes right how she fits into it yeah how she really fits into it like why Mm -hmm. she like because they are so poor like why does she like kind of yeah like Mm -hmm. because Clary Grace is always like you should kick one of them out like you're not making any money here yeah like you're losing money you're supporting these people because we don't find out till the very end that she's related yeah yeah Yeah. she does make a good point at one part that if she like 
if she changed anything in the arrangement, they'd just have to pull up their bootstraps more, mm-hmm. which means she would actually get less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then the other, the other piece of the mystery, it's one of those like really great, um, tech, like tactics that mystery writers use where, so we keep finding out through Charlie Luke and through the superintendent that like, they don't have as many people on this as they should because the whole police force is working on this case with like the Greek street gang and like Mm. all these criminals who keep um, getting away and Mm. they can't find them. Mm -hmm. And so periodically it gets dropped in like, Oh, like if only we had more men, but the men are all off on this other thing. Yeah. So it's like they're, you're, they're giving you this like crucial piece of information, but for another reason. Yeah. So you don't really realize its significance. Yes. Because then the, the end, it's revealed that what they're smuggling is actually people. Yeah. 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 And it turns out that, so it's one of those really interesting things because a lot of books, um, so for instance, like the next one that we're going to look at, mm-hmm. Dorothy Sayers, uh, oh, actually, well. I would say in like a lot of Dorothy series, like when someone is a victim, mm-hmm. you learn a lot about them. Yeah. I feel like I learned very little about Ruth and Ruth mm. doesn't seem to be the focus of many conversations. No, no. She yeah. learned that she's not quite as smart as the rest of the Palinodes, yeah. that she was a gambler and that she was a, a wee bit spiteful. Yeah. And that they like didn't really love like like. Jessica talked about being afraid of her, like wary right. of her. Right. Clyde was like, oh. but you don't like, it's not like a huge delve into her life and like, no. what was she doing and what was it? Do you no. know what I mean? Yeah, like in yeah. the same way, like there's so many other mysteries and then Mike gets bonked on the head and it's yeah. like, what? I know like, there's just like, there's so many strands to this. That, like, yeah. It's, yeah. And so I was not prepared for the ending um, <laughs> at all <laughs> because when they open up the casket mm-hmm. and like there's the man inside, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so I'm like, what? Who? And, Who's then when this it's re- and then when it's revealed to be the bank manager, I'm like, yeah. huh? Like, <laughs> Henry James. <laughs> Henry James. And it's crazy because he has been made to look like he has been dressed up to look like a corpse, but mm-hmm. with like breathing holes and he's been drugged so as not to move and also mm-hmm. to, I think, be able to stand to be in confinement yep. and not like say a word like mm-hmm. while they take him up Apron Street and that the bank manager is actually the runner of this entire operation. Yep. So all those criminals that keep disappearing have gone up Apron Street, but now a warning has been put out amongst all the gangs, maybe not to do that because someone accidentally died yeah. and the chemist realized that it was his fault. So when Charlie Luke comes around and mentions um, the uh, black widow woman and yeah. her black purse, the chemist is like, oh my God, you know about the th- the, the going the up thing. aprons. Yeah. Like, and he's like, shit, like I killed a man and he kills himself. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Luke is just like dumbfounded because he knows nothing about yeah. it. And so then we find out that the chemist, but the weird thing that they can't figure out too is that like, it doesn't look like the chemist, like the chemist dies penniless. Like yeah. he has no benefit to being in an no. operation like this. And the Bowelses, the Bowelses are the ones who asked for Campion to get involved. Mm. So why are they still doing it? Because the bank manager has been basically holding them to it yeah, um, yeah. by way of their bank loans. And yeah, like they're all in debt to him. Yeah. And that's how they're roped into it. Yeah. And Campion can tell that there's something weird going on. Because remember how like the Bells were like, oh yeah, I went over like four, 
maybe it's four o'clock in the morning. Like, cause to give him some new curtains. <laughs> know, but yeah. like when, you know, when, when I got his body, I saw he hadn't put the curtains up. So I just took the curtains back. <laughs> you can come see the curtains. <laughs> He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> I know, like they have an answer for everything and it's like so preposterous, it's but so like can't be unproven. Yeah. Oh, and then there's also Congrave. Um, mm. Yes. Who is the bank manager's assistant. Yes. Who they definitely think is like shady from the get go because yep. immediately <laughs> when they visit Henry James and he's like, oh, well, I think Aunt Ruth was here this day. And Congrave was like, no, she came this afternoon. And they're like, but she died at two o'clock that <laughs> afternoon. He's like, but she was here. And they're like, <laughs> but she couldn't have been. And he's like, oh, but she was. <laughs> and then he goes to talk to Jazz Bells in his kitchen. And then he, yeah. as he's leaving, he sees Congreve just like flattened, motionless against the wall. Like he's just been there the whole time, just like not moving. Oh, so creepy. So I would, creepy. It goes to Campion that he would not have been like, what the? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he controlled himself. He controlled himself. So um, we find out that Congreve has been helping with this. That's why he's been kind of seen around the street. Um, we know that the fortune teller is actually Congreve's sister. Right. And so that's how she's involved with it. And, she and plays she's like, also an old um, criminal old, that they yeah. know from... A murderess of old. Yeah, or like a... Yeah, she's, they, they are aware of her as a criminal yeah. person. Yeah. I think she murdered people. I can't remember. She was a murderer. Oh, no, maybe or... she's like a fraudster. Like she would, like when people died, she'd be like, oh, but they had agreed to buy all these encyclopedias oh, and they'd already paid me this much, yeah. but like give me this much more and yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah, so she had all these frauds on the people who had lost people. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, it's her sister, so... But then we find out, so there's this whole scheme that going up Apron Street, but that is not why Ruth was killed. No. It has nothing to do with it's it. It's nothing to do with no, it. Ruth was killed because of all the shares that her brother bought, one of them has finally come to fruition. But Which except is a that secret. it's very secret, but somehow the bank manager found out. Yes. As like all big secrets have a leak somewhere. Yeah. And the bank manager flips out when Evadne says to Campion at her big party, mm-hmm. oh, I actually know that man who visited you earlier. Like, he's that big, like, stockbroker. Like, not financial Financial guy. guy. Yeah. And the bank manager's like, shit, like, that man knows. Yeah. And so he's like, they're on to me. And so he tries to go up Apron Street himself. And so basically, he murdered Ruth by poisoning her sherry. Mm-hmm. Because she had originally left those shares shares. to him, but she had since changed her. Well, I love this. Yeah. (laughs) She had changed it because she found out that they were completely worthless. Yeah. And so she changed her will to leave them to Captain Seaton because she was mad at him because he was living in her old bedroom. Yes. <laughs> so yes. she was like, he's always short on money and this will make him so mad. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. And so yeah. then when she dies, the bank manager discovers that she he doesn't get the shares. And so he gets Lawrence to buy them from the captain. Yep. And then when the heat's kind of coming up, he tries to poison Lawrence once again yeah. with a sherry glass yeah. um, and pin it on Jessica. Right. Who makes all of her concoctions like that taste like death. picks all these <laughs> weeds, I mean herbs, in Hyde Park and like <laughs> brews them up into disgusting yeah. teas and get, tries to get people to drink them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Multiple people have seen that Lawrence has drunk out of like a darker looking glass yeah. 
and Campion, while, and this is one of those things that, like, he asks questions, but she doesn't, Marjorie Allenham doesn't write the answers. Like, yeah. you don't, he's like, and then he went in and quickly answered a question, asked a question, yeah. and Lawrence was like, yes, but what do you mean? We yeah. always do. What do you, <gasps> but yeah. you don't know. You don't know what they are. Yeah. So it's like, it's a hanger, like, it's a bit of a cliffhanger kind yeah. of technique, but you discover that, yeah, like, that the palinodes though as poor as they are, mm-hmm. expect that whenever they are visited by their bank manager, I guess he brings the bottle of sherry he with must. him. He must. Yeah. That they will always take a glass of sherry with him. Yeah. And everyone is thunderstruck by this <laughs> yeah. because they're like, if my bank manager offered me alcohol, I would know he was trying to poison me. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, they not do that anyway. But like that's the palinodes that they're just like, of course we take sherry. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dad always took sherry with him. Yeah, our father yeah. did with his father so that's the way it is yeah yeah um and so yeah and it turns out that these brownie shares are now potentially worth a whole bunch of money yes yeah, yeah. um i guess it's good news for lawrence yeah he's gonna the captain's gonna be pissed come into quite a lot of money yeah, the captain's gonna be pretty mad about yeah that. Um, and along the way, we find out that Mike was hit by one of the guys that they were sending up Apron Street because he was hiding in there, this um, like attic, waiting to be drugged and put into a coffin. But Mike came upon him, and so he yeah. bashed Mike on the head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with his gun. With his gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then we find out that Renee is good to the Palinodes because she, so her father, their father, their all of their father <laughs> um, left her money too, like made yep. sure she and her mother were well set up. And she, unlike them, had a good head for business yep. and like good sense. And so she has actually like retained her money. Yep. And so she can afford to look after them because mm-hmm. she's actually like a wealthy woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that's who done it. That's who done it. And I do love the very end of the book. Mm-hmm. Campion receives a letter that his wife like actually had yes. been received the day beforehand. And yep. so he opens it up and she's like, oh, I'm glad we're not going to wherever anymore. And like, I'm sorry, I can't talk about the case with you. And I want to ask questions because I know the papers like can't report all the facts and everything. She updates them a little more. And then she's like, "P.S. I just can't help it. The have you considered the bank manager? So shady. And he's just like, what? Like, and yeah. She's like figured it out like a day beforehand. And just she's from like, like some vague newspaper yes. articles. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And yeah. for me, because it's the only one I've read, it gives such a picture of his wife. Yeah. Like that she is like an equal in every sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so I just loved that part. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we move it on? Yes. Feminism 101, Queens of Crime. All right. Huh. <laughs> well. Okay, so one of the things we've been doing in this segment is just talking about what each particular one of these authors brought to the genre. Yeah. So I would say Marjorie Ellingham definitely brought some of the pulpiness that mm. she probably learned from her father mm-hmm, in that writing, mm-hmm. like... Um, her books are oftentimes the plots are like so over the top, right? Um, which just makes them incredibly fun. And while, um, yeah, while they're like super fun and super unrealistic in a lot of ways, 
as we said at the beginning, like her way, her manner of describing and like all of her insane metaphors, they're actually like, they're so descriptive Mm -hmm. and you can tell that she was like a really astute observer of people. Yeah. Um, And I would say that even though they're so odd and like some of them are insane, like they do paint such a world that Mm -hmm. it becomes very vivid. Mm -hmm. And for me, like this book ended up being like a French farce slash like gothic novel. Yeah. Because it was like so atmospheric by the end of it. And yet funny and lighthearted and kind of like one of those things, like someone dashing here, someone dashing there, like the chase scene at the end. Oh my God, the chase scene. Which is just so good and like tense, but also like what kind of vehicle are they all in? Yeah, you're right. It's so atmospheric and she does like the world is so complete because Mm. of all those details because she goes the trouble of putting in so many descriptors, even of characters that aren't important to the, to the actual plot line. Um, and yes, there, some of her, some of her other books too, like they have some real, um, I think of all the writers, her books are the ones that have the most, um, action sequences Mm. in them. Like there are oftentimes in her books, you'll get to a point point where you're like, Oh my God, what's going to happen next? It's going to happen next. And like, there's something, there's like a dramatic action. Her writing is well suited to that. It's very well suited to that. Yeah. Like I don't think you would ever find a car in the rain chasing a hearse, like horse drawn hearse in the middle of the night in like, in like a Josephine Day or a Dorothy Sayers book. Like you would, yeah. you would just never get that. Yeah. And like when Campion stops and he's like listening for the hoof prints, like coming yeah. in the cobblestones, like, ah, yeah. oh, in the rain and the slickers and like, yeah. and it's just so, yeah, like she really, it's so atmospheric. And so she really brings that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like her gift of metaphors and of like character descriptions, yeah. they're not like what anybody else does. And I would say that she also gives us quite a few different strong women characters. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Like very different from one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, And all her, I think all her characters are like, they're pretty nuanced. Mm, I would agree. Yeah. 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 They're very distinct from each other. Um, I mean, you can see how Evadne and Jessica are sisters, mm-hmm. but they are two very different personalities mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then Renee is very different, yeah. even though she's their sister, yeah. like again as well. Yeah. And I love how like there is a romance in this book, but there is not the... Um, the focus of like the women being mm-hmm. anything that... Um, is like mostly like feminine things or what have you. Like they kind of just doing their own thing. Like, and they're very strong in what they do. And it's like the very first passage we read where the first time Campion sees Jessica in the park and he's like, the impression he got was of a mind. Yeah. So yeah, like it's not gender specific. Yeah. It's like, this is an intelligent being Mm -hmm. here. Um, and then although Amanda Campion's wife isn't in this until the letter at the very end, she's a really great character in other mm. books, very, um, very great feminist character. Um, I will say that one of Marjorie Ellingham's books, which oddly enough is like one of her more celebrated ones, mm. it's called a fashion in shrouds. And 
I hated it. Um, It's the only one of her books that I didn't like. And um, it surrounds a mystery involving Campion's sister. Okay. And she has a romance in that book, which is deeply unfeminist. Um. And it's it's not, don't read it. Don't read a fashion I, I, and shrouds. I won't. Okay. Um, and yeah, and it's just, um, I found it, it's it's more serious. It's oh, not okay. as fun. It's, okay. Um, so I'm not really actually sure where Marjorie Ellingham stood mm-hmm. in terms of feminism as... Uh, well, I will say that, contra- yeah, like the other side is that I, ha- I did notice that the women at times like Campion would be like, oh, like, you know, without her cardboard hat on and like standing beside me as she does, like Jessica was like nothing if not like wholly feminine. And I'm like, oh, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, like- yeah. So I feel like there's a little bit of maybe um, some un- unfeminist tendencies like leaking in here and there. Mm, yeah. Um, but I do think that you can still take this as um, a whole bunch of awesome female characters. Yep. And, um, yeah, definite, uh, although Luke does step in to kind of like replace Lawrence as like a person telling Clady what to do, Mm. um, which is in itself problematic. So not that she can't like do that for herself. Right. But at the same time, he's also stepping in to be like, like what you're saying is ridiculous. Like Mm -hmm. this girl is all she's doing is like having a boyfriend and that's not a crime. Yeah. Well, sometimes, unfortunately it takes someone of like who belongs to like the class of people. Like, so all the men who are trying to keep Clady down to be able to say, no, I'm one of them. And what they're saying is not okay. Like I like, and unfortunately like in maybe in that time period, like that Mm -hmm. was necessary Mm -hmm. for her to have that kind of like, no, yeah. you're n- not everyone's saying you're all bad. Right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. But then of course he's like, oh, we'll take off the scarf. I'm like, oh goodness. Now he's just getting particular. <laughs> 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 yeah. Cool your boots, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. All righty. Oh, ain't that a name? <laughs> okay. Names in the book that deserve a mention. Uh, every character. Every character except there's a character called Mr. Smith. <laughs> no, it's the doctor, Dr. Smith. Well, notable for that. Notable for that. Okay, I'm just going to, let's just run through them. So, okay. Okay, we got the Palinodes. Yeah. So we've got Edward Boncretton Palinode. <laughs> that was the brother The brother died, who's right? died. Mm-hmm. Ruth Palinode, whose full name was actually Roxanne. Wow. Yeah. Um. Lawrence. Lawrence. Eh. Eh. Jessica. Eh. Jessica, I feel like, is almost like a bit anachronistic. Yeah, like it seems like it's out of place there. Well, Roxanne. If you've got one called Roxanne and one called Jessica, they they go together. And then how do you get an Evadne? Yeah, I don't understand. In fact, when I read that name, I was like, a what now? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of it. Um, No. I quite like it, actually. Evadne. Evadne. Yeah, it's quite the name. It's quite the name. Um, Renee Roper. Yeah. Good. Good name. Then you've got, um, Clary Grace. Clary Grace. Yeah. And Alistair Seaton. Yeah. The captain. Okay. The detectives and, um, or like the policemen. So there's Stanislaus Oates. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Superintendent Yo. Yeah. Also amazing. Um, 
Maggers Fontaine Lug. Oh my God. <laughs> Maggers. 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 And his brother-in-law, Jazz Bowels. Oh my God. And his son, Roly Bowels. <laughs> <laughs> Never said that one out loud before, did you? No, I did Rolly not. Roly Bowels. Oh my God. And there's, I have to, have to say, there's a part where Lug is telling Campion about him. And he's like, yeah, he married my sister and like, I never liked him. And I said, Bells by name and bells by nature. <laughs> and Campion's like, did you say this at the actual wedding? <laughs> so that's like a disgusting, disgusting name. Yeah. And especially for an undertaker. Yeah. Um, what else we have? Mrs. Love is like the housekeeper who's like ancient and repeats everything she says oh twice. My. Yeah. Mr. Drudge, who is the, the lawyer. The lawyer whose first name is Clot. Clot Drudge. <laughs> so bad. The coroner's name is Sir Doberman. <laughs> No, because then there's Congreve. And what's his sister's name? Bella Musgrave. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's um, Clyde White. Clyde. Clyde. Clyde, which is like the name of a sea nymph. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Pa Wild, the chemist. (laughs) Pa Wild. Um... What else do we have? Uh, Henry James. Henry James. Is the villain. <laughs> Which is, I'm like, did she hate Henry James? She must like, have, because she even has Charlie Luke be like, her name is somewhat familiar to me, but I can't place it. Yeah, he's like, like I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, so I love that. Yeah. I also love Apron Street. It's a great oh, name. Yeah, Apron Street is a good name. And Campion lives on Bottle Street, which is yeah. also great. And isn't the Palinodes, what's their house called? Right, it does have a name. It has a name. I think it's actually... So this edition actually has a map. Okay. So it is called... Portminster. Portminster Lodge. Portminster Lodge. Yep. Great house name. Great house name. So, so many names. So many amazing names. I'm not tempted to take a lot of those names, but I'm I'm just so happy that they exist in the world. Like, I just don't know who would be like, yeah, I'm just going to call the corner Sir Doberman. (laughs) (laughs) That one just gets me. Yeah. Sir Doberman. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Love it. And I think it's like, it's a real, like indication of what type of book it is right oh yeah yeah Yeah. because i think even some of the ones the thieves that we haven't or like the bad guys that we haven't even mentioned had some pretty good names too yeah and one of them is just called thoss (laughs) which i think is like a short from for for thomas but like they just call him thoss all the time yeah 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 and even charlie luke's name Mm -hmm. feels unusual by the fact that it's like two first names yeah 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 I like it. Charlie yeah. Luke. I like yeah. Charlie Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Alrighty. All right. Your favorite character, honorable mention, plus bonus. Pick a prop from the character questions. Okay. This is going to be so hard because <sighs> there are so many good characters. I think that, hmm. I don't actually know which one is my favorite and which one is my honorable mention. They're kind of like they could be interchangeable, but I'm going to say Charlie Luke Mm -hmm. for his expressive body talking (laughs) and Jessica Palinode, Mm. who wears a hat made out of cardboard Mm. and stuffs grass in her shoes Mm. and goes to the park every day and like accepts like a shilling from this rich woman who yeah. thinks she's a beggar and she's not allowed to be beggar so and she's not allowed illegal and i love that the so the one of the cops on the beat noticed this was happening regularly so went up to warn her against begging 
and saw what she was doing and was so like disconcerted that he just kept walking. And Campion's like, what was she doing? He's like, well, she was like doing a crossword in Latin. And the, the cop, like, God bless him. He, he does the kid's crossword <laughs> in that same highbrow paper. And he saw her doing the one in Latin and it shook him to see her slapping the words in. Like she didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> And so he's like, oh, and he just like keeps walking. And I love how they yeah. observe that if the rich woman doesn't show up, Jessica gets pissed. Yeah, she's so <laughs> like, mad. Like she really wants the shilling. Well, I think she really depends on the money, unfortunately, because she is the poorest of all the Palinodes. Yeah. And so she's got this old book that she found. It's like how to live on like a half penny or something. Yeah. But the day. man like lived in a rural area. And, like, yeah. She, yeah. And she's like picked all these herbs. Yeah. And she can't find a lot of that stuff here. And you all the meat things that she's supposed to oh, do. Yeah, oh yeah, like a sheep, the lower part of a sheep's jawbone, like not the whole head. That's she's too like, expensive. The butchers here don't seem to have that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And there's a really great part where she's talking about one of the things she made and like how she had to change it. And she's like, well, it said to like do this, but unfortunately I had to substitute this and it said to put it in butter. But I'm like, I fear I used margarine. <laughs> like, <laughs> And isn't there also like she gave someone else like something and it made them sick and he has to warn her like yes. you can't give that. Well, she's, she's like them poppy oh. tea, which is oh, basically yeah, like straight tea. up opium. Yeah. And she was like, oh, the poppy. Oh, yeah, I wondered about that. Yeah. Like, she's like, I did like, try it first. But yeah. like, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. So Jessica is my favorite character. Okay. My honorable mention. Oh, goodness. I think I think I'll go with Evadne. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just the, those two sisters just yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and how um, when Campion first goes into Evadne's room, he mistakes her for a colored blanket thrown over an armchair. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I um, I quite like those two. I like. I think that I told you that the reason that I felt like I could get into this one because I was getting so stuck on the language was that I was intrigued by the palinodes because mm-hmm. it felt more like a surfeit of lampreys mm-hmm. where you were being introduced to some like very strange families. Yeah. And apparently I have a love of being introduced to very strange families. Well, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love it too. It's, yeah. it's one of the great pleasures of these types of books. Yeah. All right. So our bonus question is, oh, yeah. which, char- which character would you choose to be a godparent to your child? Oh, dear. Ooh. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I'm not choosing Campion because he's an absentee father. I would choose Charlie Luke. Oh, yeah. He does seem like he would know his responsibilities. Yeah. 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 Like he'd um, be a real down-to-earth parent. Oh. Yeah. I think that's a good choice. Yep. Who would you choose? Well, if not for Charlie, if not for... I'll just throw another person out All there. Right. Um, probably Renee. Yeah. She's also done a really great job of taking care of her siblings. She has. She's a very kind-hearted person. Yeah, and she seems good with money. Yeah. 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 Incompetent. Yeah. They could be the two godparents. They could be. Yeah. The two of them together. All right. Done. All right. So our last and final segment, judging this book by its cover. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have two editions here. Yep. Uh, Yours is from? Mine is from 1974. And mine is from 2007. Okay. And so uh, we've already discovered that uh, your book, your older book, mm-hmm. actually has, well, it has more content. So mm-hmm. 
we were looking up a passage to do the front reading and we discovered that there was a sentence like as she started reading, I was like, my sentence doesn't go that long. So my yeah. sentence had been edited down. And it's interesting because a few days ago you had tried to listen to the audiobook mm-hmm. and you had been like, wait, I just read that passage and that there's more to it. Yeah. And so obviously the audiobook was reading from this um edition, this much um newer edition, which as I can tell, has no indication on it that it has been edited um, since its original publication. Yeah, it's so odd. I, I've i never encountered that before. Yeah. And I am an avid rereader. Yeah, and, think, and you have, yeah. you're have you a possessor of multiple editions of multiple books. That's true. Yeah, so it's a bit weird. It is a bit weird. Um, so I'm not really sure, but I would definitely say... If you're looking to read this book, try to get an older edition so you mm-hmm. can get the text in full. Mine is published by Manor Books, um, and it does say original copyright 1949. Does mm. yours have an original copyright? Yeah, the original copyright is for 1949. Okay, so yeah. But this one has been published uh, in 2007 by... What is this? It's a vintage book. So yeah, Vintage go, Books London. Try to go for the Manor books if you have a choice. Mm. Um, I yeah. So this one has. Um, I kind of like the font on this one. It's a very dark cover. I like the font. It's very very um, old school. It's old school. It's a little bit like ornate. Um, yeah, which fits the style of the book. It has a drawing of a man towing a coffin behind him, mm-hmm. which I think that's supposed to be Jazz Bowles. Um, it does talk about his white hair. I'm not super thrilled with the image on it, um, but I do think I like it better than you, the edition you have Yeah, there. so mine is um, definitely a modern book, um, kind of um, within a black frame, within a white frame. There is a floating coffin that is lit up, um, I think with the name more work for the undertaker, mm. everyone felt like it was really clear that there needed to be a coffin <laughs> on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And like, just like, it's not, it, it's not exciting. As I said, like, unfortunately with the mystery books, we're not really getting into um, some great cover work here. No. And interestingly, one of the things I read about Marjorie Allingham and her husband was that the original printings, her husband designed the covers. Oh, and I would love to see those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll see if I can find some of them online and post them. That would be awesome. Um, because I bet they're better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, Doki. thanks to everyone for listening. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at Story Girls Tweet, on Instagram at Story Girls Podcast, Gmail. You can email us at Story Girls Podcast at gmail.com. And, um, as we talked about in the last episode, we do have a website, uh, on that's hosted by Podbean, uh, storygirlspodcast.com. And it has our show notes and everything like that. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for a little more information, a little bit of reference material, yeah, some links, some and links, goodies. you can go to that. Mm-hmm. And thanks again to Rob, our tech support slash composer slash composer. Of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rob does uh, a lot of our little, little, little ditties and little ditties. we have to thank him for our mystery themed version of our theme song this, this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And next time we're starting into the quartet. Yeah. So the first book of our four book series of Dorothy Sayers. 
Uh, so the first one is strong poison. Yeah, I was blanking on that for a second. Yeah, yeah, and um, and these are linked books. These so are linked books. They need to be read in order. Yes, um, there is a reason that that we are reading all four of these. Yeah, they lead to something. The third book, really. <laughs> I love how like this whole season. We're like, this whole season is just so we can read Gaudy Night and Gaudy talk Night. about it. But you really need to have read the first two to really understand the yes. full magnitude of what happens in Gaudy Night and to really be enmeshed in those characters. Yeah. Um, and I will just say that uh, these four books all feature the character Harriet Vane, mm-hmm. um, and they are the only ones Mm -hmm. but lord peter whimsy is the detective yep and there are many different whimsy books as well so you can just read whimsy books but Mm -hmm. these are whimsy and harriet books yeah yeah and so yeah we highly highly recommend them can't say enough great things about them Mm -hmm. and whimsy uh, is great but you need the harriet yeah there's something to the harriet yeah okay so we're excited to dive into that next time and we hope you are too And until then, bye. Bye.